Chapter Nineteen, Part Two of Knots Untied by J. C. Ryle. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Marianne. Chapter Nineteen, Idolatry, Part Two. Four. And now let me show, in the last place, the ultimate abolition of all idolatry. What will end it? I consider that man's soul must be in an unhealthy state who does not long for the time when idolatry shall be no more. The heart can hardly be right with God who can think of the millions who are sunk in heathenism, or honor the false prophet Mohammed, or daily offer up prayers to the Virgin Mary, and not cry, O God, what shall be the end of these things? How long, O Lord, how long? Here, as in other subjects, the sure word of prophecy comes in to our aid. The end of all idolatry shall one day come. Its doom is fixed. Its overthrow is certain. Whether in heathen temples or in so-called Christian churches, idolatry shall be destroyed at the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Then shall be fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, the idols he shall utterly abolish, Isaiah chapter 2 verse 18. Then shall be fulfilled the words of Micah, chapter 5 verse 13, their graven images also will I cut off, and their standing images out of the midst of thee, and thou shalt no more worship the work of thine hands. Then shall be fulfilled the prophecy of Zephaniah, chapter 2, verse 11. The Lord will be terrible unto them, for he will famish all the gods of the earth, and men shall worship him, every one from his place, even all the isles of the heathen. Then shall be fulfilled the prophecy of Zechariah, chapter 13, verse 2. It shall come to pass at that day, saith the Lord of hosts, that I will cut off the names of the idols out of the land, and they shall no more be remembered. In a word, the ninety-seventh psalm shall then receive its full accomplishment. The Lord reigneth, let the earth rejoice, let the multitude of isles be glad thereof. Clouds and darkness are round about him, righteousness and judgment are the habitation of his throne. A fire goeth before him, and burneth up his enemies round about. His lightnings enlightened the world. The earth saw and trembled. The hills melted like wax at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the Lord of the whole earth. The heavens declare his righteousness, and all peoples see his glory. Confounded be all they that serve graven images, that boast themselves of idols. Worship him, all ye gods. The second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ is that blessed hope which should ever comfort the children of God under the present dispensation. It is the pole star by which we must journey. It is the one point on which all our expectations should be concentrated. Yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 37. Our David shall no longer dwell in Adullam, followed by a despised few and rejected by the many. He shall take to himself his great power and reign, and cause every knee to bow before him. Till then our redemption is not perfectly enjoyed. As Paul tells the Ephesians, we are sealed unto the day of redemption. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 30. Till then our salvation is not completed. As Peter says, we are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 5. Till then our knowledge is still defective. As Paul tells the Corinthians, Now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know even as I am known. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12. In short, our best things are yet to come. But in the day of our Lord's return, every desire shall receive its full accomplishment. 
we shall no more be pressed down and worn out with the sense of constant failure feebleness and disappointment in his presence we shall find there is a fullness of joy if nowhere else and when we awake up after his likeness we shall be satisfied if we never were before psalm sixteen verse eleven psalm seventeen verse fifteen there are many abominations now in the visible church over which we can only sigh and cry like the faithful in ezekiel's day ezekiel chapter nine verse four we cannot remove them the wheat and the tares will grow together until the harvest but a day comes when the lord jesus shall once more purify his temple and cast forth everything that defiles he shall do that work of which the doings of hezekiah and josiah were a faint type long ago he shall cast forth the images and purge out idolatry in every shape who is there now that longs for the conversion of the heathen world you will not see it in its fullness until the lord's appearing then and not till then will that often misapplied text be fulfilled a man shall cast his idols of silver and his idols of gold which they made each one for himself to worship to the moles and to the bats isaiah chapter two verse twenty who is there now that longs for the redemption of israel you will never see it in its perfection till the redeemer comes to zion idolatry in the professing church of christ has been one of the mightiest stumbling blocks in the jews way when it begins to fall the veil over the heart of israel shall begin to be taken away psalm one hundred and two verse sixteen who is there now that longs for the fall of antichrist and the purification of the church of rome i believe that will never be until the winding up of this dispensation that vast system of idolatry may be consumed and wasted by the spirit of the lord's mouth but it shall never be destroyed excepting by the brightness of his coming second thessalonians chapter two verse eight who is there now that longs for a perfect church a church in which there shall not be the slightest taint of idolatry then and not till then shall we see a perfect church a church having neither spot nor wrinkle nor any such thing ephesians chapter five verse twenty seven a church of which all the members shall be regenerate and every one a child of god if these things be so men need not wonder that we urge on them the steady prophecy and that we charge them above all to grasp firmly the glorious doctrine of christ's second appearing and kingdom this is the light shining in a dark place to which we shall do well to take heed let others indulge their fancy if they will with the vision of an imaginary church of the future let the children of this world dream of some coming man who is to understand everything and set everything right they are only sowing to themselves bitter disappointment they will wake to find their visions baseless and empty as a dream it is to such as these that the prophet's words may be well applied behold all ye that kindle a fire that compass yourselves about with sparks walk in the light of your fire and in the sparks that ye have kindled this shall ye have of mine hand ye shall lie down in sorrow isaiah chapter fifty verse eleven but let our eyes look right onward to the day of christ's second advent this is the only day when every abuse shall be rectified and every corruption and source of sorrow completely purged away waiting for that day let us each work on and serve our generation not idle as if nothing could be done to check evil but not disheartened because we see not yet all the things put under our lord after all the night is far spent and the day is at hand let us wait i say on the lord if these things be so men need not wonder that we warn them to beware of all leanings toward the church of rome 
surely when the mind of god about idolatry is so plainly revealed to us in his word it seems the height of infatuation in any one to join a church so steeped in idolatries as the church of rome to enter into communion with her when god is saying come out of her that ye be not partakers of her sins and receive not of her plagues revelations chapter eighteen verse four to seek her when the lord is warning us to leave her to become her subjects when the lord's voice is crying escape for thy life flee from the wrath to come all this is mental blindness indeed a blindness like that of him who though forewarned embarks in a sinking ship a blindness which would be almost incredible if our own eyes did not see examples of it continually we must all be on our guard we must take nothing for granted we must not hastily suppose that we are too wise to be ensnared and say like hazael is thy servant a dog that he should do this thing those who preach must cry aloud and spare not and allow no false tendernesses to make them hold their peace about the heresies of the day those who hear must have their loins girt about with truth and their minds stored with clear prophetical views of the end to which all idol worshippers must come let us try to realize that the latter ends of the world are upon us and that the abolition of all idolatry is hastening on is this the time for a man to draw near to rome is it not rather a time to draw further back and stand clear lest we be involved in her downfall is this a time to extenuate and palliate rome's manifold corruptions and refuse to see the reality of her sins surely we ought rather to be doubly jealous of everything of a romish tendency in religion doubly careful that we do not connive at any treason against our lord christ and doubly ready to protect against unscriptural worship of every description once more then i say let us remember the destruction of all idolatry is certain and remembering that beware of the church of rome the subject i now touch upon is of deep and pressing importance and demands the serious attention of all protestant churchmen it is in vain to deny that a large party of english clergy and laity in the present day are moving heaven and earth to reunite the church of england with the idolatrous church of rome the publication of that monstrous book dr pusey's irenicon and the formation of a society for promoting the union of christendom are plain evidence of what i mean he that runs may read the existence of such a movement as this will not surprise any one who has carefully watched the history of the church of england during the last forty years the tendency of tractarianism and ritualism has been steadily towards rome hundreds of men and women have fairly and honestly left our ranks and become downright papists but many hundreds more have stayed behind and are yet nominal churchmen within our pale the pompous semi-romish ceremonial which has been introduced into so many churches has prepared men's minds for change an extravagantly theatrical and idolatrous mode of celebrating the lord's supper has paved the way for transubstantiation a regular process of unprotestantizing has been long and successfully at work the poor old church of england stands on an inclined plane her very existence as a protestant church is in peril i hold for one that this romish movement ought to be steadily and firmly resisted notwithstanding the rank the learning and the devotedness of some of its advocates i regard it as a most mischievous soul-ruining and unscriptural movement to say that reunion with rome would be an insult to our martyred reformers is a very light thing it is far more than this it would be a sin and an offence against god rather than be reunited with the idolatrous church of rome i would willingly see my own beloved church perish and go to pieces rather than become popish once more she had better die unity in the abstract is no doubt an excellent thing 
but unity without truth is useless peace and uniformity are beautiful and valuable but peace without the gospel peace based on a common episcopacy and not on a common faith is a worthless peace not deserving of the name when rome has repealed the decrees of trent and her additions to the creed when rome has recanted her false and unscriptural doctrines when rome has formally renounced image worship mary worship and transubstantiation then and not till then it will be time to talk of reunion with her till then there is a gulf between us which cannot be honestly bridged till then i call on all churchmen to resist to the death the idea of reunion with rome till then let our watchwords be no peace with rome no communion with idolaters well says the admirable bishop jewel in his apology we do not decline concord and peace with men but we will not continue in a state of war with god that we might have peace with men if the pope does indeed desire we should be reconciled to him he ought first to reconcile himself to god this witness is true well would it be for the church of england if all her bishops had been like jewel i write these things with sorrow but the circumstances of the times make it absolutely necessary to speak out to whatever quarter of the horizon i turn i see grave reason for alarm for the true church of christ i have no fears at all but for the established church of england and for all the protestant churches of great britain i have very grave fears indeed the tide of events seems running strongly against protestantism and in favor of rome it looks as if god had a controversy with us as a nation and was about to punish us for our sins i am no prophet i know not where we are drifting but at the rate we are going i think it is quite within the verge of possibility that in a few years the church of england may be reunited with the church of rome the crown of england may be once more on the head of a papist protestantism may be formally repudiated a romish archbishop may once more preside at lambeth place mass may be once more said at Westminster abbey and st paul's and one result will be that all bible-reading christians must either leave the church of england or else sanction idol-worship and become idolaters god grant we may never come to this state of things but at the rate we are going it seems to me quite possible and now it only remains for me to conclude what i have been saying by mentioning some safeguards for the souls of all who read this paper we live in a time when the church of rome is walking amongst us with renewed strength and loudly boasting that she will soon win back the ground that she has lost false doctrines of every kind are continually set before us in the most subtle and specious forms it cannot be thought unseasonable if i offer some practical safeguards against idolatry what it is whence it comes where it is what will end it all this we have seen let me point out how we may be safe from it and i will say no more one let us arm ourselves then for one thing with a thorough knowledge of the word of god let us read our bibles more diligently than ever and become familiar with every part of them let the word dwell in us richly let us beware of anything which would make us give less time and less heart to the perusal of its sacred pages the bible is the sword of the spirit let it never be laid aside the bible is the true lantern for a dark and cloudy time let us beware of traveling without its light i strongly suspect if we did but know the secret history of the numerous secessions from our church to that of rome which we deplore i strongly suspect that in almost every case one of the most important steps in the downward road would be found to have been a neglected bible more attention to forms sacraments daily services primitive christianity and so forth and diminished attention to the written word of god 
The Bible is the king's highway. If we once leave that for any bypath, however beautiful and old and frequented it may seem, we must never be surprised if we end with worshipping images and relics and going regularly to the confessional. 2. Let us arm ourselves in the second place with a godly jealousy about the least portion of the gospel. Let us beware of sanctioning the slightest attempt to keep back any jot or tittle of it, or throw any part of it into the shade by exalting subordinate matters in religion. When Peter withdrew himself from eating with the Gentiles, it seemed but a little thing, yet Paul tells the Galatians, I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed. Galatians chapter 2 verse 11. Let us count nothing little that concerns our souls. Let us be very particular whom we hear, where we go, and what we do, in all the matters of our own particular worship, and let us care nothing for the imputation of squeamishness and excessive scrupulosity. We live in days when great principles are involved in little acts, and things in religion, which fifty years ago were utterly indifferent, are now by circumstances rendered indifferent no longer. Let us beware of tampering with anything of a Romanizing tendency. It is foolishness to play with fire. I believe that many of our perverts and seceders began with thinking there could be no mighty harm in attaching a little more importance to certain outward things than they once did. But once launched on the downward course, they went on from one thing to another. They provoked God, and he left them to themselves. They were given over to strong delusion, and allowed to believe a lie. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 11. They tempted the devil, and he came to them. They started with trifles, as many foolishly call them. They have ended with downright idolatry. 3. Let us arm ourselves, last of all, with clear sound views of our Lord Jesus Christ, and of the salvation that is in him. He is the image of the invisible God, the express image of his person, and the true preservative against all idolatry, when truly known. Let us build ourselves deep down on the strong foundation of his finished work upon the cross. Let us settle it firmly in our minds that Jesus Christ has done everything needful in order to present us without spot before the throne of God, and that simple, childlike faith on our part is the only thing required to give us an entire interest in the work of Christ. Let us not doubt that, having this faith, we are completely justified in the sight of God. We'll never be more justified if we live to the age of Methuselah and do the works of the Apostle Paul, and can add nothing to that complete justification by any acts, deeds, words, performances, fastings, prayers, alms deeds, attendance on ordinances, or anything else of our own. Above all, let us keep up continual communion with the person of the Lord Jesus, let us abide in him daily, feed on him daily, look to him daily, lean on him daily, live upon him daily, draw from his fullness daily. Let us realize this and the idea of other mediators, other comforters, other intercessors will seem utterly absurd. What need is there, we shall reply. I have Christ, and in him I have all. What have I to do with idols? I have Jesus in my heart, Jesus in the Bible, and Jesus in heaven, and I want nothing more. Once let the Lord Christ have his rightful place in our hearts, and all other things in our religion will soon fall into their right places. Church, ministers, sacraments, ordinances, all will go down and take the second place. Except Christ sits as priest and king upon the throne of our hearts, that little kingdom within will be in perpetual confusion. But only let him be all in all there, and all will be well. 
before him every idol every dagon shall fall down christ rightly known christ truly believed and christ heartily loved is the true preservative against ritualism romanism and every form of idolatry end of chapter nineteen and end of knots untied by j c ryle recorded by marianne spiegel in chicago illinois november two thousand and fifteen